he's referred to as the man in the back of the room and introduced as the voice of God. He's told U.S. presidents where to sit, given Tony and Grammy award-winning celebrities direction, and lectured scads of students. But as he likes to point out, the event entertainment expert you don't know, you don't know, Anthony Bellata. And Bellatified. Friends, welcome to Bellotified, the one and only podcast about event entertainment and engagement. Speaking about engagement, we are recording today from our hotel room in South Beach. So forgive the little, little bits of noise you might hear in the background. We're recording here because we are just off the Cater Source, the special event show 2021. And we wanted to share some of our finds and some of our thoughts about this year's show. And we have with us today the uh, CEO. I am the CEO. Of course you are. The women are always the CEO. <laughs> well, they should be. Of Techniche Creative, Heidi Broombach. Hi, Heidi. Hi, how are you? I'm fine and always with us, as we always. are every week, my cohort in crime, Alex Apostolides. <laughs> Melting Alex Apostolides. She's schwitzing like you wouldn't yeah, believe I'm it. Schwitzing like a bugger. We're all schwitzing here in Miami Beach because it's one. It feels like when you walk out the door that the weather hits you in the face. It's that yeah. kind of a feel. The humidity is breathtaking, literally, and not in a good way. No, not in a good way. So it's, uh, it's the day after the special event, and we thought we would talk about some of the things we found, some of the people we met, some of our thoughts about what we experienced as we come back out of COVID. And I'd like to start by asking, uh, just, uh, did you find anything new this year? Something that was um, that I can't necessarily apply in my company, but my daughter wants to go into hospitality. She wants to go into restaurants, and since we, since the special event merged with Cater Source, there was a lot of um, catering tips. And one thing that I took home, because of course my daughter wants a perfect world and wants no waste and everyone to hold hands and be friends. So the waste <laughs> issue is big for her. I talked to the general manager from Centerplate last night nice. and he said one of the new trends that they see, and, and we've kind of been seeing this creep up a little bit over the years, um, but bite-sized servings. He said buffets are not gonna go anywhere. People, it's the, it's the mm -hmm. cost-effective option for events, but they're doing preparation on demand a little bit more and doing smaller servings so they don't have all of the food waste. Love that. That was indicative last night. Did they do the catering last night for They did. They yes. did. So yeah, they were they, we did have yeah. bite size of everything. Mm -hmm. Uh and what was your impression of the food last night? Um I thought some of it was very good. I thought it was interesting, beautiful displays. Um you know, I, I'm going to be honest. One thing that I would like to see creep up, aside from the no waste or little waste, um, I'd like to see more healthy offerings. <laughs> that's um, that's me, but that's because I've gone on a little bit of a health kick in right. the last right with year. Be Well TV. Yeah, right. yeah. Um, I try to eat healthy, and you know, I see these donuts sitting in front of me. So you're not helping this either. <laughs> no, I'm not. I'm not. <laughs> because the first one's free, though. <laughs> that's right. Doesn't count. You're out of town. <laughs> Because that, that's one of my new things that I found this week. Uh, what about you, Alex? Uh, Food-wise or just in general? Well, food-wise, I have to say, Gastro Garage was mm -hmm. it for me. Mm -hmm. That was the best thing I ate 
all week. So what did they do there at their at their booth in the trade show? They had well, what I had was the it was they do a lot of deconstruction. So they take class, classic dishes, pizzas, burgers, all of these sort of things, and they deconstruct it and they make it on a brioche donut. But it's a savory brioche donut. And then th what I had was a wagyu 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 beef. Well, wagyu. <laughs> hey now, um, and they had this little tiny pickle and this little tiny tomato. I don't eat a lot of hamburgers. I usually will have like a plant-based alternative to that. If this is what every hamburger tasted like, I would eat them for the rest of my life. On top of that, they're entertaining. They put on a show when they're creating it because they're doing it with these flame torches and they're so personable. And of course, he and I started talking about Greek and you know, he started spouting Greek to me even though he's not Greek and how he played a Greek and how I played Jewish and <laughs> you know, so they just, what I loved about it, it wasn't just the great food, it was the personality and they they talked to the people as they're torching their food. You could see the love and the passion for what they're doing come out in what they're giving you. So it was delicious and a wonderful experience. I love that because you know what we talk about is engagement and we talk about giving people a, uh, uh, what's the word I'm looking for, uh, an immersive experience, experience mm -hmm. right? Yeah. And those guys get it because when you're waiting mm -hmm. for your Wagyu burger or your pizza, and I don't think you need the word flavorful in front of brioche donut, quite honestly, it just <laughs> sounds delicious that way. <laughs> but while you're waiting, they're engaging you and you're watching them with the preparation and the torch and you're engaging with them as Alex did. So you're getting immersed in the experience of that food and it's terrific. That's what we should all be doing. Mm -hmm. Yesterday at the leadership lunch, I happened to, I got to, I, I did something fun, I'm gonna do it every time now. I was the first to sit at an empty table. And then I was sort of the king of the table because then anybody who came over is going to ask if these seats are taken, right? So then I could say yes or no based on who they are. <laughs> it's a great way to go. I'm telling you, I just learned this yesterday. We ended up having a great table. I sat next to two caterers, and one of them was talking about how uh, some people in his industry, chefs are known for this, just can't put up with the needs of the other professionals, the florists, the designers, the entertainment, when they're putting together an event menu. And that is so wrong. Mm -hmm. What they need to be doing is asking what is the entertainment? What are the other aspects of the evening? Is there a long program? When they're preparing their menu, just like we do. Exactly. Because the idea is to bring an immersive engagement experience that we all as event professionals have to work towards. It's not just you, the producer, we dealing with entertainment that have to take on that responsibility. The caterer should too. Right. And be asking those questions. And so, we talked about that and how important it is for people to know other segments of yeah. the industry and what they need and what their priorities are. They're stakeholders too. Right. Mm -hmm. Well, you something know? exciting, speaking of Gastro Garage and being immersive, I actually managed to um, be there for a conversation that they had with an entertainment company and talking about creating something and they actually have something in the works that is a totally immersive experience they're not just food they like you mentioned Alex they provide entertainment and now they're expanding on the entertainment and making a truly immersive experience so be on the lookout I think it's coming in Southern California probably LA area first but but they've talked about another city that 
is in the works. So I was a fly on the wall for that conversation because I couldn't really be in the, uh, conversation. In the conversation as much as I want to right, be. Right, I'm like, right, I don't right, have right, anything right, to right, contribute. Right. I don't have anything to contribute I'm to here, this I'm mix, here. but yeah. you know, he needs something. Right. Oh, yes, you do. I can help. <laughs> but before we move on, I have to share my new thing because not only were they so delicious. But the people who were serving them were just as delicious. Mm -hmm. And when you're in Miami, that's very hard to find. <laughs> I am talking about the Sequoia Baking Company. They were one of the uh, participants in the Jungle Island event on Wednesday night, which was the event experience showcase. And they were tucked away in the corner. I felt so sorry for them with their bright smiles and incredible honey buns mm. and so we had to taste those honey buns that night and they were so so damn delicious that I had to order some for this so Heidi you have got to take one of these fabulous honey buns from Sequoia Bakery and it's sequoiabakingcompany.com and what they did is they prepared for us these flavors of and these are honey buns so think Think Cinnabon, if you don't know what a honey bun is, just to sort of get you there. Now think adding lots of flavors and varieties that you love and know to that cinnamon bun. I'm excited. Cinnamon buns, or uh, honey buns are one of my favorites, actually, historically. And I can't remember the last time I've had one. Oh, well, here you go. I know she's been so good because <laughs> she's been on a kick. So we're about to ruin Heidi's kick <laughs> with what looks like might be a blueberry lemon, cream cheese blueberry lemon honey bun. Oh wait, it might be a guava and cream cheese bun or a blueberry lemon bun. I'm not sure. Well, it's like it's, like, it's a mystery, but there's definitely donut or uh, there's definitely blueberry and there's yeah. definitely honey bun in there, so I okay, don't think so, you can go wrong. I no, feel I like think we need to break into song with honey bun. I'm sorry. <laughs> well, I think we do. And I love the way that when they were delivering them today, I got the message. By the way, they said they would deliver them today between 10 and 11, which they did. And when the driver arrived, I got this message. Hey, honey bun, our bun mobile, our, sorry, our bun mobile is en route and will arrive before 11 a.m. I just love that they said, hi, they honey bun. You, they called you honey bun. Yeah. So let me see. They've given us um, two cookies and dreams, which are cookies and cream honey buns, two cine buns, which are the cinnabuns, with a hazelnut latte, so the Cinnabons with a hazelnut latte, and that's Nutella and Cuban coffee. Mm. Uh, and then in our second box, they gave us two boxes, one honey bun, one guava and cream cheese bun, one blueberry lemon bun, the chocolate ganache bun, and then a bourbon maple bacon bun. How many people are you inviting to this party to try all of these? I, I, I'm just bringing them home to my family, and I'm sure there'll be leftovers, but I would imagine just popping these in the micro, microwave for, like, you know, 10 seconds is going to yeah. just, like... And also, by the way, they were delivered, they were warm when they were delivered this morning. Amazing. Yeah. It's delicious. Is it it's delicious? Really good. I know. I, mm -hmm. I, was, I was having such a good time. I had the... So I haven't had one yet today because I'm one of those guys that doesn't eat sweets until late at night. So I will be saving one. It's five o'clock somewhere. Yeah, but you know, I know. I don't go by that rule. Just like you, Miss Alex, can't eat dessert before dinner. That's right. I can't. The same thing, right. Yeah. So, uh, 
So I will have one later, but I did have the, uh, the Cookies and Dreams uh, one on Wednesday night, and oh my God, it was so delicious. So it's their answer to, not the Cronut, it's sort of their answer to uh, mixing things up and making something new. Mm. And uh, they're delicious, they're delicious people, mm -hmm. and they're so warm and wonderful. This, by the way, I was thinking today, this would be a great thing, not only for anything, but for a wedding brunch, like a bun brunch. Mm -hmm. Oh, a bun brunch. Uh, yes, <laughs> and so ordering these adds just a special touch to any meal, but that's one particular way that you can include them in your events uh, as a, a way to include them in a wedding, anytime you're having a brunch, actually. Ladies, we, ladies night, ladies morning, ladies brunch. How about buns and wine? Yeah, why not? Buns and beer. I, I'm not sure that I can bring this show on to Be Well TV, but it sounds <laughs> delightful. <laughs> These are the best buns you'll ever eat. Uh, so thank you, Sequoia Delicious. Baking Company. And they're on Instagram at Sequoia Baking Co. And you can find them online as well. Thank you so much. We'll make sure to eat these. One of my new favorite things from Cater Source and the special event 2021. And they're right here in South Florida. Let's talk about some observations from this week. Uh, let's start off by the, the conversation that people were having was about the white, the big white elephant in the room. And that was the fact that there were not a lot of people in attendance this year. It was a little bit slow out of the gate, I would say. So in, in the effort of being uh, completely transparent, it, there were not a lot of people not. there. What would be your estimate, Heidi? How many would you estimate? I think I heard it was around 2,200 registrations. Now, some of that was trade show floor only. Right. Some was just ticketed events or something. Right. Um, so 2,200 2, individual registrations that took part over the week of events. That seems a little hard to believe, quite honestly, but that could be true. Do you think it was lower? I think it felt lower, yes. The only night I felt like there were more people was the, um, the second night, the opening night party. At the Fillmore. And I don't know if it was the way it was laid out that it felt so crowded or if it was just a higher attendance. That was the one night where I kind of felt a little, you know, trying to weave in and out of people. Yeah. I think it was probably a function of the space. And because if you recall, they did block off a lot of space mm -hmm. in, in a really, uh, in a way that could have been done with more finesse, I thought. I think in their mind's eye, they were trying to keep people out of certain spaces and direct using black drape mm -hmm. and poles, but um, it, it didn't work. People were looking for other ways to get in and out of spaces and it was just drape, so they walked through the drape. Uh, so and that like really we did. did. Like we did. We did, we had right. like event professionals do. Like we do, right. <laughs> we know the back. Just I've been there before. Hey, we're in the back always. I'm stage managing. Right. I'm in black, I have black somewhere on me. <laughs> and there were a lot of spaces. Um, and even the main space, which is the theater itself, mm -hmm. was cut in half, mm -hmm. right? So um, I think that was probably it. Um, you were at that party. I was. At the Fillmore. Mm -hmm. um, so thoughts? Thoughts about that night? Um, 
thoughts. One thing that I wish they had had was some sort of um, guide, you know, a program, which I know that printing has been, you know, we've stopped printing things so much a long time ago, but I wish there had been more, uh, you know, some sort of map or something mm -hmm. on the app so that we would know about all of those different rooms mm -hmm. because I didn't know about, the, well, the one that I found you in at the end of the night, I didn't know it even existed until the very end, mm -hmm. and that was um, a great room to be mm -hmm. in. It was low-key and good for conversation. And there was some sit-seat. There was mm -hmm. yes. seating. Yeah. And the main room um, was where the majority of the entertainment was. It was louder, difficult to talk, and I'm old now, and trying to have a conversation over the loud music is <laughs> hard for me. I, you know, I was a dancer, and Go-Go danced for a while with the speaker, well, on every stage I've been on. I had a speaker right next to my head for so right. many years that... <laughs> you're, you're deaf now. Deaf. <laughs> but you know, I, I have to, I completely agree with you. I think we all will agree with you, but yes. I, I just want to take a step back and say, I don't really think it's because we're old. Mm -mm. <laughs> I mean, and I know we feel that way when we complain about sound, but when you are in a networking event and it is only slightly possible for you to talk with one person, right? the music's too loud. And that is going to be my new barometer, my new benchmark, because I realized, great, I can still hear you if we're talking like this. But the minute you come into the conversation, a third person, and the, and the conversation now gets realigned, somebody's going to fall out because you can't hear the other two people. And that shouldn't be the case. No, right. In You're supposed any to be there event. to network and meet people and compare notes and have fun. And so, and I know for me personally, I have this thing called hyperacusis. It's not a big deal. It doesn't affect anything. But... What happens is either pitches will bother me, not an issue here, but when there's so much sound, you actually psychologically feel like you're in a bubble mm -hmm. and everything mutes out. It's kind of your brain's way of protecting. So everything, and so you just end up kind of walking literally like you're in a bubble. You're not really there. You're observing from afar and it becomes very, very difficult to really be a part, really enjoy and be present. So I zoned out pretty much completely that night. Really? I'm so sorry to hear that first time I'm hearing it, but I'm glad that you shared that because the point is to engage. Absolutely. Not to tone out. And I, I just don't understand how and why people think the louder you are, the more people are going to enjoy it and feel it. That's not the truth. That doesn't work. It's a compensation to me. Uh, and how, what I mean by that is the only way I can energize this room is by loud music. There are lots of ways to energize a room and to get people excited. Right. And if you're relying on that, if you're falling back on that, you're missing the mark. Go back to school. Honestly, because all you're doing is driving the people away. And that was one of my big pet peeves with that evening. I wanted to see the acts on stage. Mm -hmm. There were acts. First of all, we had no schedule. We didn't know what to look for, who was going to be up there. No announcements. So really, it was hit and miss anyway. But then the fact that they were blowing us out of the room, literally pushing us out of the room with the sound... I didn't even want to stay in there and take a seat and wait. Yeah. 
because there was no, I would have sat in a fog or, you know, in a bubble. Uh, and so, the, again, this is about working together, right, and being partners and making sure that we're not uh, pushing people away mm -hmm. or exhausting them. Yeah, you know, the other thing in addition to the volume, I think that was more important and an unfortunate disservice to the performance is the quality of the sound wasn't as good as it, I wish it had been. Yeah. Um, and I'm married to a sound engineer, mm -hmm. so I'm very um, aware of that when it happens. And since it is a showcase for the entertainers, it it's important that they have the support that they need so they can have a proper showcase. And I felt like there were 100%. some acts that did not get a fair showcase because of that. Now on the flip side, I do understand we're all getting back to work now. And that includes all of the technicians and support that goes along with putting an event together. So, my gosh, we're rusty. We're out of practice. We don't get the rehearsal time. Everybody, everything is crunch time and rushed and everything. So, I certainly can't blame one person or no one blame. company right. or one anyone. Right. Um, there's always an explanation. Mm -hmm. But, uh, gosh, you know, I hope we can come up with a solution to fix these things as, as business does come back. Because it makes me a little afraid to go back at 150% because you know events are being mm -hmm. rushed right now. Planning The planning timeline is shorter than it's ever been. I hope that we can figure out a way to solve these little issues knowing that we don't have the time that we would normally have and we have to brush off the dust and get back to practice. Very well said, mm -hmm. we do. And, but I can't help but wonder if um, in some ways with technology in events, uh, we're still considered um, simplistic. And, and by that I mean, uh, you know, it's going to be a projector, a camera, it's very easy, there's no, you know, really technical expertise needed. Because I think it does come down to the skill. Even though they may not have had a rehearsal, there was time during the evening for the A1 to dial in the acts. You know, it may not have been great, but but it would have been better trying to dial them in rather than sitting back with their arms crossed. You know, another challenge that we're encountering is the A1 today is the A3 of from yesterday. Yesterday. Right. And there are a lot of, you know, a lot of people retired and a lot of people that are coming back to work um, are, are the ones that are willing to take the work that is not, you know, I mean, how do I say this politely? Um, you know, budgets are smaller. Right. Um, everyone has been hit. We're all working right. with, with you know, tighter pockets, basically. And it trickles down to, unfortunately, we don't get the highly skilled labor because they're not willing to come out for less money. And, you know, unfortunately, people are forced into positions that they're not trained to do, mm -hmm. um, so so I would be I wouldn't be surprised to find out that the person that was in that position the other night is not skilled in that position. In that position, the, you just uh, reminded me of a great point, Heidi, and that is the the need to build relationships, right? And we always say this to our clients: take us with you, we'll go wherever. You know, <laughs> um, here I I see you presenting that need without even trying, um, because. Once again, when you're working with your own team and you're bringing them there, you've got, a con you've got the confidence for their level 
of uh, ability. When you go outside of that and you're dealing with anybody outside of that, you may like the people you're dealing with, but you don't know the people they're going to hire on your job. Exactly. And unless they're people that know your expectation level or you're very clear about that, it is likely you'll end up with somebody not skilled running your show. So I, I just ask you to heed caution and, this is, and say this is a good time to go back to the producers, the production companies that you know you've had success with and talk about partnerships wherever you're going with the idea that you're going to be getting a crew that's going to be going with you because that's, that's going to help you Definitely. more than you may realize when you're doing events. Having that be, having the crew be the same crew saves you so much time and energy and angst. And mm -hmm. I think that um, what I'm hoping for is that planners start to value their production teams a bit more and learn a bit more from, uh, from them. Because um, there's this sort of like head in the sand approach to technology that a lot of them take. And you know, I get it, we're not all computer people. We are not computer people, <laughs> right? And yet we have managed yeah. to do what we need to do to make it work. So you find a way to learn. You find a way. Um, so you know, I'm, I just think we need to push yeah. forward yeah. in that direction. Uh, and I, I honestly, honestly, and this is not because we're producers, I encourage planners out there to start partnering with production companies if they're not already doing that for all your events. Um, what else, what did you notice uh, What did you notice on Wednesday night? Did you go to the Jungle Island event? I did not go to the Jungle Island event. I uh, took that night off and had dinner with friends. Um, so I missed that one. But one thing that I did notice over the course of the week, because you mentioned attendance and you know we are just getting back. It was a great, I, I'm so thankful that we had this event and that people came to this event because getting back even on a smaller scale is important. So one thing that I saw is more collaboration and less commerce. You know, you didn't, there, there weren't contracts being signed on the show floor mm -hmm. that, that maybe has happened in the past. Um, but there was a there were a lot more conversations about collaborating, collaborating, and how can we do this together? So to your point, Anthony, I think hopefully we'll see more um, partnering with with those that we have relationships with and um, see a little more success. I, I think we have to help each other out to get back on our feet, right? I think so. It's a, we're a community, mm -hmm. and if we don't act like one, we're gonna we're going nowhere. Mm -hmm. Uh, and we were talking with Nancy Schaefer last mm -hmm. night, who became a good friend of Alex's oh over gosh, last night. Oh my gosh, fell in love with her. Uh, and she leads the, is it the event? Live Event Coalition. Live Event Coalition out of Washington, D.C. And this is a membership, an individual membership organization. And the idea of this membership is to show Congress, show our representatives the strength and our number. And right now, that membership, after about uh, they just started this year, is about sixteen hundred. Their goal is to re to get it to five thousand by the end of the year. And so, we want to encourage all of our industry uh, uh, colleagues to join this um, live event coalition. And it's not expensive. It's seventy-five dollars a year for a single membership, and there are some discounts that come with that. 
and most importantly, you're adding your name to the list of professionals that will show Congress and our representatives that we are a much larger community than they originally may have thought. And that's important because we need that kind of advocacy in our, in our industry. Mm. The, only, mm -hmm. the only industries that do well are those with that kind of advocacy. Um, so well, we, look at it as an example, the hotels, the shuttered venues, the restaurants, mm -hmm. they have received a little more assistance mm -hmm. because they, they do have lobbying, they do have numbers mm -hmm. behind Correct. them. Correct. And I've actually said for years that we, we don't really have any lobbying arm in our industry. We're all kind of creatives and um, don't necessarily think about that, but we need representation because when times like this come about, we're we're just in the background and forgotten. <laughs> we were, and we we were left in the lurch. Uh, you know, so PPP was something that we could go mm -hmm. after, but uh, you know, we couldn't really go after um, shuttered venue mm -hmm. money or uh, restaurant money. You know, we right. we didn't fit in, and there was even something that uh, our friend Cher sent uh, to Alex, and she shared it with me on several occasions, and I read it several times. Mm -hmm. But it was really a closed shuttered venue uh, grant and you know first of all those grant processes were not easy and they all had individual criteria so it wasn't like you could fill out one and just you know regurgitate what you sent so that took some time but there wasn't one except for search our own search organization mm -hmm. that paid out on every single grant request that came in even if it wasn't for the full amount they were the only ones that that were able to help. And that's one organization right. with a million dollars. You know, it's not like, you know, the kind of money that we need. So, uh, yeah, you're right. We need lobbying mm -hmm. and we need it bad. And so uh, I encourage you all, I'm going to do it when we get back to our office, we're going to sign up our people. Sign mm -hmm. up your people as individual members. This is not a business membership this is an individual membership and but I do think it's up to the owners of the businesses to sign up their people this isn't something you can expect your people to do on their own mm -hmm. you need to take some uh, initiative here and sign them up so that we can build up this number well if I understand it correctly it's designed for independent contractors largely as well so a right, lot of the, right. um, you know a lot of the technicians or independent event planners or people like that it's it's kind of designed for them because they were really left in the lurch. They were really left in yeah. the lurch. There was a march that was uh, uh, planned and executed in San Diego and it was probably at the end of September 2020 and they, the tech industry marched with their anvil cases mm -hmm. through downtown mm -hmm. to show people uh, because we are forgotten and you know, we're not the only ones honestly that were forgotten, you know, uh, I think housekeepers were forgotten even though hotels got money a lot of them were furloughed um, You know the bell staff the front-end kitchen workers all of those people The people that were working hourly the people that you know were on very small salaries those people They really lost out, you know because they lost their jobs and there was very little help for them, uh, except for those that, of course, got more help than they were making and don't want to come back to work. But <laughs> that is, and how do you feel about that uh, while we're on that subject? Because it seemed to have just kind of <laughs> touched you in a certain way, Miss Heidi. Um, I, I, I 
hope we end that situation soon because I don't feel like it's helping um, industry in general, any industry, really. No, it isn't. I think the time has passed that we need that kind of help. Um, not everyone. Some people, some people yeah. still need it. Um, and that's why we need the lobbying. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I agree. I mean, you know, we're, nobody wants to, at least nobody at this table, is that cold-hearted that we don't think people need help every now and then. But, you know, I think the point was this is going to be a temporary solution. Well, I think it's snowballing into a, a new issue that right. is causing another problem. Why go back to work if I could make more? Well, and so many, so many companies are suffering because they can't... Look at how many restaurants. I don't know in your neighborhood. In my neighborhood, right around the corner, there are a few fast food restaurants that are close to the high school and in the neighborhood and everything. And now they have to close one or two days a week because they don't have anyone to work. Mm. Burger King. Who would yeah. ever expect Burger King to close because they can't get anyone to work? It's pretty sad. I wonder, though, um, you know, and you're right, the issue is there is probably uh, some disparity in the pay levels there, right? I don't know what they are. So there's probably some work that needs to be done there. But I can say that there are other places where the money is good and they can't fill them. I the do spot. just want to raise a point, and it's a little bit of a counterpoint, and I'm coming at it from the perspective of a mom. Um, but also, one of the things that I think is causing this problem is that there is oftentimes, and I'm not just saying in our industry, in every industry, a work-to-wage disparity. So if you are on unemployment, you're usually not getting your full payment, or maybe you are, but it's here. So you have, let's say, a parent who was earning this much, and they lost their job, so they're getting... But now, here's the other thing. If, they're, if unemployment or their health is just slightly under and they have small children, well, guess what? Now they don't have to pay for daycare. Now they don't have to pay for preschool. Now maybe they can get rid of a car and there's insurance they don't have to pay for. So there's all of this. So I think one of the things that we as a society need to address is that work to wage disparity. We in this country should be able to have, I'm not talking about mansions, I'm not talking about going out and buying yachts or expensive vacations. We should be able to sustain a modest, moderate living on a full-time job. And when people have to have two and three jobs just to make ends meet, not to save for college, not to save for retirement, just barely make ends meet, this is an issue that I think we need to address, and I don't think it's gonna be addressed. Maybe now it will be, because we're seeing. There's, there could be, there, for a lot of people, there's a reason why they're choosing not to. Not because they don't wanna work. Anybody who's ever been on unemployment understands the soul-crushing feeling that is. Most people I know want to earn a living. They want to earn their keep. And if you have a child to feed, and this is helping you better, you have to take it. You have to take advantage of it. You know, you have to opt. So I just I, think I, we need to maybe, maybe now finally we're going to address this. That if you work forty hours a week, you should be able to afford to pay your bills. But there are okay. So I get that, but um, 
certain jobs just can't sustain that. I get that. I, I think the challenge that we mm -hmm. see now, the new problem that's being created is how do we get from here to there? Because now you've got, say, a mom and pop restaurant hole in the wall, you know, that, mm -hmm. that was employing people for $8 an hour and probably some tipped servers, you know, a, a business like that. You know, I, I believe the number for restaurants, an independent restaurant, the average is they make around two fifty, three hundred thousand dollars $300,000 a year. That's what their revenue is. Um, so if you're at that level with your business and you go from paying 7 or $8 an hour and now the demand is $15 an hour, how do you get from here to there? We That's, pay as consumers. That's what's going to happen. And, and, and how is that sustainable? Right. Is that going to work out? Are people, I so know, the people who work at McDonald's and Burger King won't be able to eat at McDonald's and Burger King if they're making more money. It's kind right, of the point. Right. So I think um, where, my, where my heart aches and, and what I see is that so many businesses will, you know, it was hard enough to survive the last year and a half, but now they have this new challenge. How are they going to get over that hump? I don't know how they're going to solve that problem. Well, I think the consumers are going to end up paying uh, when when rates go up, inflation's going to go up. People are going to start paying more. Products are going to get smaller. There, what other way? You can only squeeze a stone so much, or you know, you wh yeah. where's it going to come from? You know, right? Exactly. And so, uh, I think a lot of the jobs that um, people end up having for a lifetime aren't intended to be lifetime jobs. When you come out of school and you work at a fast food restaurant, I think the intention is you're going to be there for a couple of years, you're gonna to go to college, you're gonna get a degree, and you're gonna go on to something better. So those jobs are not meant to support families, right. necessarily. But go into a lot of these places and you won't just see. No, you, you won't. You see a lot of people my age, people that maybe, for whatever reason, didn't have the opportunity to get a college education. And especially for women, and I know I'm, I'm counterpointing here, but especially for a woman, a middle-aged woman, who didn't have the benefit of a college education, there are very, because we still have a male to female disparity and a wage disparity between the genders. So you see a lot of older people where there is age discrimination in the workplace, and especially when you're a woman. So you see these people that are that age there, but they have to have a job, and if that's the only job they can get, what are they to do? So I'm not saying that it's all on one side. Oh, employers, oh, lazy people. It's not about that. We have to come together to try and make this workable, especially when you live in a state like Southern you know, California, and especially Southern California, which I love, it's my home, but we're going to really, and I think we're already seeing a mass exodus mm -hmm. because it's crazy to live there. It's crazy expensive. You pay for that beautiful weather. Something else hard. that I would bring up, and I don't know enough about this to speak as an expert, but a lot of people rely on their wages to make ends meet, and there's more to the financial formula. Um, you know, there's obviously the living within your means. You don't have to have a $450 car payment. A lot of people do that because they think it's normal. You don't have to go and get a four-year college degree. A lot of people think that you have to. You don't. You don't have to take out loans. You can go to college and get grants, scholarships. Mm -hmm. You can work your way. You can spread it over 10 years so you can pay out of pocket for every class. There are other ways to get... A, 
college tuition is crippling. That's one of the most crippling issues that we have in this yep. country. You're 22 years old and you just start your career and you already have $50,000 in debt. How do you get your head above water when you have that mm-hmm. yeah. on your shoulders? So I think there's a lot of financial education that's necessarily necessary in the world so people can learn. I can make $15 an hour and find these savings here and these other ways to mm-hmm. create wealth in other areas of my life. I know, I mean, I won't, I'm not going to share here how much mm-hmm. money I make, but I know people have been surprised to hear that I don't take a higher wage. Well, it's, I mean, I've, I've owned real estate and sold. I've had a savings account. I've had a money market account. I, mm-hmm. you know, I plan, I've put money away over time. I live modestly. I don't, I don't take loans. I don't carry credit card debt. Um, you know, there are ways to live within your means, and I wish more people would pursue that kind of education to live more comfortably. I wish they taught it in schools. Quite Absolutely. Honestly. And even my daughter, my 16-year-old daughter, we were talking about taxes, and she said, "Well, now that I don't have a corporate job, maybe my..." Ta-. I said, "No, honey, that's not how it works. It's based on your earnings." So she said, why don't they teach this? She goes, how do I do my taxes? Do I have, she goes, why aren't they teaching me this in school? This is a life skill I should be taught. Mm-hmm. And yeah, she's, she has parents mm-hmm. that can help her and, and we're there to guide her and teach her, but she's at 16 is already seeing. Well, and a lot of parents don't know. Right, <laughs> and why aren't they teaching me this, Yeah. right? Well, you know, you've brought up so many. I know, so I many, know, we uh, kind of like went off the line. <laughs> sorry. Um, and you know, I love I, the business of being in business. Yeah, so I, I will say that one of the one of the major topics this week was the lack of labor and how mm-hmm. people are struggling all throughout the industry for help. We're not having that problem with the lot of thank God, mm-hmm. um, but um, we are going to engage. We're going to have to deal with that problem as we move forward because it, we're going to see it. We're going to see it in the housemen that we work with, and the concierge mm-hmm. at the hotels, in the catering. Everything is going to be, and we're going to have to work together. Don't yes. throw darts. If you need to throw a dart, throw it with a friend quietly in a corner. <laughs> But let's have a little patience for one another as we move forward. I'm speaking to you, Anthony. Have some patience because we are all in this together. And you made up some really good points. You didn't go to Michael Cervelli's uh, hot list this year. You have been the producer of the hot list for, did you do last year? Not last year. So uh, three previous years before that. uh, Yeah, about three, uh, four we did four shows, yeah. Four hot list shows. You produced four of those shows. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, but you didn't make it yesterday. For, Correct. So you didn't see that one. Uh, so there were some interesting ideas that came out of it. And um, one, of, one of the things that I'll say up front is that Michael was going to make it a swan song, apparently. But he's decided to do one more year. So it does look like we'll have a hot list next year. Uh, he had 14 ideas that he presented this year. And... Uh, There were some good ideas. There were some fun ideas. It's always a bit hard to, not always, sometimes it's a bit hard to figure out how to use them. Sure. You know, because they they can be very specific. Uh, Some of the ones that we liked, Harrison Greenbaum, they used him as a 
host. He is incredibly funny. Do you know who he is? I remember him from a few years ago. He's very funny. Very funny and uh, very irreverent. Which and I love. self-effacing. Uh, yeah, it was funny. So, yeah, I love him, and I'm, I'm, I'm hoping we get an opportunity so to work he, with him. So he wore the hat as a host? Mm. Is that what you said? Or He had a video, so I guess he was one of the 14. Okay. But it was kind of hard to understand because his video came on, I think, even before Michael came on. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay. So it was a bit hard to understand what his role was when they first brought up the video because I think he's emceed before or been. Well, I, I, I remember seeing him the first time he was on the list, and I thought he'd make a great emcee. He's hilarious. But he wasn't really an MC. They okay. just sort of played his reel. But they played it at the top of the show even before Michael came out. So it felt like he was going to be the MC, okay. but he wasn't. It was a little, it was a little uh, strange on the mind. Uh, Stratosphere, a band that they found out of Dallas, opened us up mm-hmm. and took us into a break as well at the end. Uh, I thought they were pretty dynamic. I thought yeah. they sounded good. They did. They had a lot of energy, especially for 8 a.m. in the morning. Mm-hmm. I'm always impressed as a performer when people can have that kind of energy, look that glamorous, and sound that full at 8 a.m. And their sound was decent. I want to say that they mm-hmm. probably brought their A one with them, uh, who dialed it in that morning. Um, I thought they were really good, too. Yeah. They had a great sound. Um, stylistically... I would make one comment. I think that bands have an, they have this sort of belief that wearing dark sunglasses makes them look cool. And I think it's a mistake because again, you're there to engage and nobody sees you behind your dark glasses and it's off-putting. It is, I agree. And so you think you look cool, but at 8 a.m., on a Thursday morning in, in a, a dark, dark room. room, it just makes you look uh, inaccessible. Mm. Unaccessible, that's the word. Um, so I'm just going to throw that out there. Take it as you may. And I will throw one more comment out there from a style point of view. I think you looked great on that stage. I would say just be careful with your hair choices and how you decide to wear your hair. Uh, speaking to the women, specifically so that it's not in your face and you don't have to toy with it during a performance it really shouldn't even it shouldn't be a distraction quite honestly uh he introduced something called z intro which we found fascinating Mm -hmm. which is sort of a design intro Mm -hmm. where it's a sketch of you i think you might have seen this before too it's a it's a fashion sketch that's done of you and it's animated and uh, the way that they showed it at his show yesterday was a use as an opener, you know, or to, as an introduction, if you will. And, you know, I think it's a great idea for the it's right fun. group. Yeah, right. it's fun. Right. Every, every, every one of these ideas, I, I thought, oh, that would be a fun idea for the right group. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. For the right group. Mm-hmm. What I liked yeah. about that is that it, 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 and again, to your point, it has to be for the right, right group because it, takes away a stuffiness yes. or, you know, that removal. It just, it makes you more accessible. Yes. Because it's fun. Yes, it's fun. If, it, if it's done fun. If so the one fun. that was done for Michael was really high style, mm-hmm. you know, uh, but it could be done in a much more fun way. Uh, dice ideas. Have you heard of that? No. So it's, it, they make the two gents out of the UK uh, take dice and uh, they make these great art pieces with black 
dice that have white die cuts on them. Just a regular die with one, two, three, four, five, six on it. Mm -hmm. Why they kept saying seven sides, I don't understand okay. oh. in their marketing because a die has six die sides. They black out one side, so they consider it the seventh side. So some of them, they black out the one. Oh, I see. They black out. So I guess some of the dot. Okay, here we go. We're going to get this down. The seventh, the seventh die is actually a die with no dots because oh. they black out one of the sides they of the dot. They sharpie in the one. They sharpie in the one, and then they so use, then it, they as a, use it as a black as spot. A, like a space. When they're making their mosaic. So they use it mm. as a space. So that Well, thank you for clarifying yeah, that, thanks, Angela. Yeah, because I really kept, in my mind, counting, visually counting. <laughs> one, two, three, four, five. I kept thinking, five. am I missing something here? <laughs> I guess I, I was. Have I not been playing right all right, these years? Right. Even Jim thought he was missing something there. <laughs> I'm, I'm using him for, uh, you know, for support. <laughs> Uh, the same thing with bottle cap art. They had something where uh, the team finds all these different color car, uh, bottle caps and they make a mural out of them. It was really lovely, too. It, it was lovely. I'd hang that in my house. Mm. Yeah, I might. Again, for the, for the right group, I might. They had something called, um, was it Art Media Holographic? Why can't I? Because Kevin, TLC, had his holographic uh, service that he showcased. But I have art media holographic and now I can't remember what that was. So I guess it wasn't really all that. So there were two 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 different hologram Uh Yeah, it might have been something. Yeah, okay. why am I blanking on that? Uh, unfortunately, I am. So, Me and too. you are not even remembering it. No. Uh, so we'll move on to Brian Chan, the MC, who was also very yeah. funny. He got a showcase yesterday. Uh, and then the Funny Face Bakery cookies. That was fun. And I guess that the Kardashians have used them. And uh, so they just make cookies, but um, they put faces. You're, they'll put your face on a cookie, which is a great fun. way to just celebrate somebody or something. Well, well people, so, people love that because yeah. they don't see enough pictures of themselves. <laughs> no, not Especially at all. The, the Kardashians. Media. No, you know, and they don't take enough of themselves either. I wanted to make a point of that. I'm not seeing enough selfies. <laughs> No, I'm not, I don't, there's not enough duck lips in the world. Let's do it on a cookie. Um, I'm sorry. But it would be a, a nice gift, especially for a client. If you want to bring a gift for a client, what a fun, and it's a conversation starter. Right, 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 right. right. Totally agree. Uh, I want to say something about yesterday's uh, Hot List show, and I'm trying to do it with respect, and, and that is for the two people that are here, because you, when you produce the show, it was pretty near flawless, as I remember, and yesterday was not quite so much. And it makes me wonder, again, without foisting blame at anyone, it makes me wonder, was it a question of not having time for rehearsal, not wanting a rehearsal, not thinking it was necessary, because it was, um, and, or was it not having a script that you follow so that at least there's some cues there for you, which I assume you don't get, because that would make it easier for the technicians to know what's coming up and what's needed. Uh, and then, uh, or was it the talent? You know, what, what was it? But the, it was sloppy, you know, and I could feel Michael's angst on stage um, asking for things to come up and reminding the crew that this is sound when it comes up. 
Uh, and so there was a lot of stepping on him with sound and miscues and uh, and things being on. Uh, it almost seemed like their graphics were on a loop at one point because they just kept coming up when obviously the speaker whose graphic was on stage was the only thing that was needed. So there, it sometimes, you know, and I think this is the problem. So speak to this, if you will. Uh, when you come into a session like that, if you don't have any clue of what goes on behind the scenes, it's very easy to think what you're looking at is crap and there should be no excuse for it. So what are some of the things that could happen behind the scenes at a hot list event that could cause these issues? I think that there are a lot of things that can happen technically. Um, however, I think the most important lesson to be learned here is um, a lot of people don't understand the difference between a production company and an audiovisual rental company. And if you are working as a planner or talent directly with an audiovisual company, there's not a person who is working on your behalf to communicate with the technicians and make sure those cues are hit and really understand the timing, the flow, the, 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 the show, the show, the part that makes it a show. Your producer. Yeah. Um, it's, it's a very vague term and it's a very misunderstood term and um, you know a lot, a lot of people call themselves a producer but they're right. really not. But they're not. Um, right. This so, is what a producer does. So I can say one thing that we bring to the table and what we did um, when, I, when I did chair the event with Michael, um, you know, working on understanding what we're trying to accomplish is number one, but then really being familiar with the timeline and the cues and having that even rehearsal just on my own as a producer, um, just so I understand and comprehend helps you know, if, you, if you're short on time, for example, and you, and you can't have the rehearsals that you need, if the producer understands it, then the producer can lead the way. Mm -hmm. And here is the biggest mistake that I see. People don't understand that there needs to be that communication and they don't write it down in advance. Mm -hmm. And uh, they assume that the technical team is going to get it. Correct. They don't think through the fact that the technical team needs to become familiar with their material so that they can be on the same page. They don't understand that. They think of rehearsals in terms of themselves. What has to happen is the paradigm has to shift and people need to realize that this is again a partnership and the rehearsal is for everyone, and that's what the expectation that should be. That is a be. great point, Anthony, mm -hmm. because so many times clients ask for rehearsal, and what they really mean is that their presenters want to check their slides and do a sound check. Correct. To the crew, that's not a rehearsal. The rehearsal needs to know what does the person look like that's going to be speaking, because we've had, you've probably had, uh, presenters where they send their assistant yep. just to go check their slides so the crew never gets to see what the presenter looks like how do we know when they're on stage <laughs> right we, right right well, I want to I want to speak into that because something and you taught me this and not you know I hail from theater so you have your rehearsals you have a tech rehearsal mm -hmm. right you so it, it, everybody gets to and during a tech rehearsal it's when the actors have to have right you all know that the actors have to be very patient because it's there to benefit them, but it's there for the crew and the tech. When the first year I worked on NARP with you, 
and you said, get pictures for of all the entertainers. And I was scrambling and I'm finding pictures and I didn't really know I'm making sure I have the right picture. I didn't realize at that time, and I know now, the importance of that, so I would have it handy for all of the crew, so as we're doing the trade show, they knew what each person looked like. Brilliant idea. Now I think, well, yeah, of course, but then I went, oh, that's a really great idea. Mm -hmm. Thank you. Because we were going to be in an environment that was constantly changing mm -hmm. and flowing, and people would be in their way, and so I knew up front, in these quick changes, you're going to want to be looking for people. You know them by name, but you can't scream their name or do an announcement. Mm -hmm. So that was just one small way. So thank you for bringing that up. Uh, yeah, they don't realize that the crew needs to become familiar. And then I've seen them get upset when something doesn't work right uh, without a rehearsal. And um, that's the only anecdote to that is, or the only uh, uh, panacea to that is to rehearse and to give everybody some time. And to your point about changing slides during rehearsals and going through copy during the rehearsals, that should be done at a separate time, in a separate space. It really shouldn't be done on stage. And I know the issue with a lot of planners is, well, that's what my C-suite wants. And I'm gonna say this, this the C-suite wants that likely because that's what they were told by someone else was the way to do it. Or that's the way that they've always done it. But it's not the right way because you're wasting resources. Mm -hmm. You are wasting time and resources. So if you have lots of time and your setup is ready to go and you wanna kill time, great, you have a crew there, go for it. But that's likely not mm -hmm. the scenario that you're working with. Likely you don't have much. You know, something else that I think people need to be aware of is that the crew is working on your job during those hours that you saw on your contract. When outside of those hours, they're off, they're checked out. They're not back in their hotel room studying your script so they're prepared for the next day. They also didn't spend a week preparing for this show in advance because they were doing other shows. That's where they make their livelihood. So. That's, again, why you need that producer mm -hmm. part. And the producer can sometimes come from the client. I'm not saying Absolutely. it's an extra line item Absolutely. you have to add. No, you just need somebody in charge. It's, right. it's a right. position that is necessary because you can't expect those, those crew members to have all of that knowledge in their heads when they haven't had the time right. to prepare. And, and I think the, the, the bottom line here is coming from the theater, as the mm -hmm. three of us do, without rehearsal, it's crap. Mm -hmm. I mean, that's just the bottom line. And in the theater, we have the saying, you don't know it until it's in your body, mm -hmm. which means mm -hmm. it's second nature. And you never really get to that point when you're in this kind of scenario, live scenario, live event, because you don't have time. But that should always be the goal. So even if you get somebody for 15 minutes to walk through their pacing and quickly tell them what they have to do, even if it's just that, it's better than nothing. Yesterday, the one comment, and you know, I think we see things other people mm -hmm. don't see. I can see when somebody's on stage and they're not, they're not comfortable mm -hmm. or they're not sure what's coming next. I can always see it. And uh, that's something you want to avoid because then it becomes uncomfortable for the audience. Mm -hmm. The minute they see somebody on stage, not quite sure, it becomes uncomfortable. And we want to try to avoid that. 
So um, great, 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 great point. I, I, what else do you think could be a factor? Do you get scripts for the hot list? Or do you, as the production so, company? So on the hot list, Michael does, um, he selects the acts and he creates the timeline and he, it, he has a team that creates his slides and everything. Um, so for in my experience, we always worked with the information that came from him and then I would create the cue sheet for the crew that aligns with his show. So I'm going to guess that there wasn't a cue sheet developed yesterday. It didn't. It did not feel that's like there was a cue sheet. That's for sure. Yeah. Now again, that's something that Heidi takes on as the CEO of Techniche because she understands that that's the service that she's going to provide over and above over and above the AV equipment that's being provided. <laughs> if you're not getting that service from someone, you need to find somebody like Heidi who can give it to you because you're basically putting your show in the hands of somebody who really has no clue and isn't able to speak the language. And if you're doing it yourself, great. But if you're not, then you need someone. When you said speak the language, one, one thing that I tell people that I think is unique about me is I speak both languages because I'm a certified meeting professional. Mm -hmm. I understand the meeting planner's terminology. Point. And I have an, a technical company, so I don't know. I'm not a person who operates the, the equipment, but I am familiar enough with right. the equipment that I know what the, the what the names are. What I know how to say, push the button on that console, not the other console. You, know? you, <laughs> you can know? identify I, the pieces. I know the difference between the sound guy and the lighting guy. I don't go to the lighting guy right. and request Just a song ask me to build the car. Right, right. <laughs> so some meeting planners and. and you know, it's uh, maybe it's a, a, a gender thing, but sometimes the, that there's that language barrier because the meeting planner doesn't feel comfortable communicating with the crew because uh, you know it can be intimidating. Different worlds, different colliding. Worlds, definitely different right. worlds. But um, but it's important for planners to know the dialogue and know the language, and that's mm -hmm. why you are so valuable because most of them, as I said earlier. Their heads are in the sand a bit when it comes to technology. It's just above their ability to think, and they just sort of trust and yeah. pray. Yeah. But it that's not the way to have successful. Well, you events. just need to know who to trust. Unless yep. you know who to trust. Yep. Yep. Uh, and I think that um, what we saw this this year uh, was a lot of fumbling when it came to handing over. The goals and objectives to the AV team, because obvious it seemed obvious to me that the ball was dropped in the handoff um, across just about all of the events, uh, maybe with the exception of the leadership lunch, which was yesterday afternoon and was brilliantly produced, and we had a great speaker, uh, and I met a wonderful, wonderful potential friend and client. Um, I think the one and a table full of strangers at a table full of strangers <laughs> that I curated because I sat first. That's the way to go, Jim. You gotta you gotta take that uh, piece of advice. <laughs> uh, so uh, it was really great, and the speaker was I can she she's Italian. I should remember the last name. She goes by Mama Tucci. Uh, she is Christina Lava Tucci. I can't remember her last name. I'm so sorry at Mama Tucci, and she's a second in her business. Uh, her, her boss uh, is a designer. He's the number one in the business. She's the number two. She developed a TED Talk about being the number two. 
and how important number twos are in the business and how uh, and about the symbiotic relationship of the one and two, the support that she gives. And it's a great keynote for number ones because it's all about the value of the number two, not only uh, from, an, from uh, the uh, viewpoint of having somebody to help, but from the viewpoint of growing your business, having such a strong number two does help you grow mm -hmm. your business, especially when that number two is able to go out and handle things on their own because they've become so empowered and so, you know, so appreciated and empowered that they're able to do that on their own. And she's somebody that enjoys being a number two, you know, and the fear that a lot of number ones have is, yeah, I'm going to teach the number two everything I know, and then they're going to start their own business mm -hmm. or take all my trade secrets secrets somewhere else, which is sort of living out of fear, which mm -hmm. doesn't really serve you if you're doing that. Uh, but that is a fear that a lot of people have, and so they don't really empower the number two, if you will. Uh, and she basically gave a 45 to an hour minute hour keynote about the importance of empowering the number two uh, and the the uh, abundance of getting of what you'll get once you do because they bring such value. Uh, so I think they're going to ask her back as the keynote for next year oh, uh, for the Cater Source Special Event Show, <laughs> and we are going to talk with Jesse about um, following up on our commitment to do the general session next year uh, because I spoke to him about the potential for some changes in the show, which I don't think there will be any changes in the show, but I'd like to talk to him about that before I fully commit uh, because it's a mess. Mm. It needs to change. Uh, the format needs to change. And, and you know, when you give a general session, it's the only point I make. General sessions, 8 a.m., Wednesday, at 9 a.m. Wednesday morning, the first day of the conference. But the day before, there's already been a party and there's already been uh, educational sessions. We're in a city like Miami Beach. It is blistering hot outside. There is not a hotel connected to the convention center, which means that people have to walk blocks mm -hmm. to get there. It's hot. It's an obstacle to attendance, if you ask me. What we've done is we've created obstacles to attending that by making it at 9 a.m. People have to get up and walk there. There's nothing else that's happening except walking the trade show, which people do want to do, but they could also just do that. They don't have to do the general session. My point being, it's in the wrong place. And it's not, they're not creating uh, a um, scenario where people get to uh, thrive because anyone who was a part of that session their work was not seen by mm -hmm. the masses and that's again a disservice to those people so one of the changes that I will suggest is that we open Tuesday with a general session that takes place either just before those uh, educational sessions start and not at 8 a.m. but at noon uh, or after they end on Tuesday. Be better before, because then you're kicking off the conference in the correct way. And you're also helping your, first of all, then you're setting, you're also sending a message to your attendees that this show starts on Tuesday, not on Wednesday, because you have an opening night party on Tuesday mm -hmm. that you want people to attend. So 
I think you do a better job of saying this is the beginning of the conference because it's confusing. Mm -hmm. yeah. And then you get all of those people who are already there taking these educational sessions on the first day into the general session because they're there. That doesn't happen the way that it's working now. Next year, we're in Anaheim. The situation will be a little better because the weather will be nicer. There are two hotels that are close, yes. but people will still be walking outside getting at there's no connection mm -hmm. to the center so you know my philosophy is you don't create obstacles to engagement you make it as easy as possible and we're just not there mm -hmm. yet with this show to my thinking and I'd like to see us get there and when you're combining two shows like cater source we're unaware of what their priorities are right at cater source and it really does feel a bit to me like the priority with regard to the programming is the special event because the food was not really a selling point at any of the events to my thinking it wasn't that fabulous and it was a lot the same in fact I would say that we saw pretty much the same party every night of this conference with a little bit of a twist and that was we're coming out of COVID. Here's a bit of inspiration. And then, now let's party! <laughs> yeah. It was sort of that sort of feeling with ceviche on the trays. And, I like ceviche better yeah, enough. And, and dancing women with feathers. Yeah. And to D'Angelo's point, I mean, we saw a lot of dancing women in brightly colored feathers. Mm -hmm. Where were the men? I mean, this is an That's audience point. of women. Mm -hmm. And gay men. There are straight men, but there are a lot of women and there are a lot of gay men. Where were the male dancers? This is what I mean about understanding your audience. Mm -hmm. Okay, big deal there were no male dancers, but you missed it. Mm -hmm. You just missed it. You just told me you don't know who your audience is because you didn't pay attention. And how are you going to engage if you don't know who they are? Interesting. And how is your focus going to be on engagement if you're not, if you don't know who your people are. So that, that would be my, my biggest encouragement moving forward is that we really think about the goals, objectives, and who these people are. You know who we are. We're the event industry. If you don't know who we are, <laughs> maybe you don't belong here. <laughs> I don't know. What do you have to say about that? Am I being too harsh? That's uh, No, I don't think so. I'm curious to see how the merger of the two shows continues to develop. Because um, it was, you know, the now there's two shows that they've done together and neither one was in a perfect situation. Correct. <laughs> you know, we uh, COVID started with, I mean, the world shut down right as, right as last, TSE, last right. year happened. And now we're just trying to come back with this one. So I don't think they had the perfect situation to plan and no. execute this merger. But, you know, talking about the food, there should be some opportunities for the Cater Source members to showcase. Mm -hmm. it, it, 
it almost made me wonder, are there other events that we don't know about because they're only on the cater source side? Right. But I don't think that was I the case. I don't think that was the case either. That would have been a, a bit ridiculous to even try to pull off with these sure. numbers. Right? <laughs> yeah. but, but yeah, I'm curious to see how that develops. I, I assume that there are some ideas in the works. I hope so. I, I, I think you remember this, Heidi. This is not the first merger that we've seen oh, in our lifetime. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and the last merger was the uh, cater source and the special event excuse me, Cater Source and Event Solutions, and Event Solutions is gone. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they've been usurped. You don't hear of them anymore. Now it's, it was TSE and Cater Source, and now it's Cater Source and TSE. So it leads one to wonder, when will TSE just disappear? And I, I think if things aren't changed, and if, I think if uh, our parent companies don't, start to try to understand us, they're not going to have a show. Mm-hmm. And the bottom line profitability of the show seems to be what's most important. And I think these these uh, corporations don't get who we are. You know, a message that I might like to put out to them, so maybe if they're listening, they'll hear this, but I think they need to acknowledge the maturity of the industry because a lot of people aren't attend. The people that were here this week are the people that have been in the industry that wanted to come and show mm-hmm. face and say, we're still open, we're still here, we're mm-hmm. still doing business. I don't think there were a lot of young newbies that were here because the budgets don't exist right now. Um, and so, this isn't a viable path, right, so, this second. Yeah, Although it is, right. they don't think it is, right. <laughs> but I think the education and the showcasing that is available needs to represent a more mature, attendance now because mm-hmm. so many of us I mean I remember when I first started coming I was up at the very first session and closed the bar down at the end of the night because I never wanted to miss a single thing that happened but yesterday I went to the beach for a little while because now my priorities are a little bit different and there weren't as many offerings for me that I found valuable and you know mm-hmm. some some vitamin D and me time sounded a little more valuable mm-hmm. yesterday <laughs> yeah I hear you a thousand percent um and I, I agree. I think the focus has to be a, uh, on us, those mm-hmm. who are more mature and will continue to support the show. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I was also thinking yesterday, there's so much talent, so much knowledge that they're just not tapping into. And, you know, I think of Andrea Michaels, whom I adore. Mm-hmm. And I think, why isn't she here? Okay, she retired, yes. But to my thinking, the special event should be on the phone with Andrea Michaels asking her how to get her involved and how to keep her involved because she's still a fountain of knowledge Mm -hmm. and expertise that's being lost. Mm -hmm. And I don't want to come to these events and say to people, this is kind of a representation of what you shouldn't do. These parties should showcase the best practices and they don't. So it makes me concerned what are we teaching right. those who do come because right. they want to learn and meet people and grow? What are we teaching them that this is acceptable? And so, you know, I asked my team, how can we talk about this show? Because I can't just sit back and say, everything was great. Come next year. There's work to be done mm-hmm. and we're not blind. And I won't be credible to any of you if I say the show was great because you know it wasn't anybody who saw it. And so, you know, we struggle with how to talk about it. Mm-hmm. But, you know, if you're gonna avoid the elephant in the room, then you're, <laughs> you're not gonna make any changes. Right. And so we can only hope that um, 
that our parent companies, or parent company, I should say, is open to making changes for the better of the show. Because ultimately, when you give the right product, you, the money comes. If you constantly focus on the bottom line, you're going to wash yourselves away. And that seems to be the practice right now. And I'd like to see that change. And I know a lot of the people who do showcase here, in deference to them, they do it on their own dime, on their own time, and with very little support. So, Absolutely. you know, I, it's, that has to change. Mm -hmm. That has to change. And there needs to be a standard that's followed from party to party to party to party. There needs to be some better governance over what's being done at those events and how they can showcase vendors in the community differently. Because we saw the same thing well, four nights. Well, let, let's acknowledge the fact that we are more mature now than we were 20 years ago when we were at this show. And let's. I understand that we have a support system, those vendors, those supporters, um, you know, maybe they do have props that they're a rental company and they don't know how to use those props in a new modern way. So if you have the proper kind of producer or lead at the top that can take those products and present them in a way that this audience acknowledges as more creative and mature, then then we have a better following. Then we have a success. better following, exactly. So, and I think the point, real point there is if you're, if you're working with those people as vendors, it's your obligation to understand what they want to get out of their product. If they're providing you something that's gratis on their own dime, then it's your job to make sure that they get what they came for. Mm -hmm. And that means the right kind of exposure. And so it is important to understand how it works and how you can showcase it to their benefit and that yeah. didn't happen. It's funny, I remember 20 years ago I did a short time with a company that's in a certain segment of our industry that I don't really enjoy being in um, and I remember just feeling like everything was a line item on the contract and it's just stuff in a room. Like what's the reason for the stuff in the room? We're past that age. We, we are. <laughs> if there's no reason for the stuff in the room, the stuff should not be in the right. room. Exactly. And especially now that uh, corporations are much more budget aware, um, they've figured out how to do things more efficiently. They're not just going to throw money at an event for stuff in a room. Everything there, needs a reason. Yeah. There are very few capricious people in the world. And there are some who like to mm -hmm. have fun, but you're right. Purpose. They're all goal driven. They're all... Mm -hmm. uh, objective driven and so whatever's in the room needs to support that mm -hmm. right you know as a newbie this is my first time the only thing I've ever attended was in 2019 I, I actually saw the hotless show other than that this is my first time here so my initial reaction was well do I just not know and that's why I'm confused or am I confused because I'm confused right. I saw very little flow very little proper flow. Mm -hmm. And to your point, vendors not being showcased, like with a lot of the food, because you couldn't get to it because of how it was placed. Or you couldn't see it. Or you couldn't see it. Because it wasn't lit. So they put food right at the entrance of something when people are trying to get in. You don't want to be the person blocking the way from people getting somewhere, blocking a path. I was very, very surprised at that. I was too. Mm -hmm. uh, I mean, because they were like rookie mistakes. And I felt like... 
the entertainment, and we spoke about this, but I felt like a lot of the entertainment was an afterthought because of how the sound was. Definitely. And, you know, we do a lot of entertainment, so that was a little was disappointing on my end. We saw a great band that we want to great follow band. up with. I believe they were called Motown and More. Uh, I could just tell they were really good, even though it didn't sound that way uh -huh. because their sound was so awful. And the, and the singers, the leads were, were being uh, just drowned out by everybody else on stage. Uh, I mean, we could sort of tell that they were suffering up there too, but they managed through it really like pros. Mm -hmm. uh, Absolutely. And I, all we could do is like, at one point I walked over to the soundboard and I was like this close to saying, dudes, man, are you listening to this? <laughs> well, I couldn't understand why there wasn't, you're not occasionally walking. walking the room. I'm not a sound person. When I'm on an event, I walk the room. I want to make sure what I'm hearing here is what I'm hearing here is yeah. what I'm hearing here. Yeah. I want it to be even. I don't know what I'm doing. I'm not a sound per I, I I can't do what you do, you know, but I know that much. Mm -hmm. And I never saw anybody walking around. No leveling. Nothing. Mm -hmm. no. And it didn't change from one act to the next. No. So it was one set and that was it. Last night, um, and I would I would say that of all the parties, last night was a good party. It was well, mm -hmm. it was well crafted, for the most uh, part. I would say, and it was fun the way they mm -hmm. uh, they brought us in. It almost had that uh, uh, haunted mansion from yeah, Disney. That's what I got. That was the exact you know. feeling. Uh, it was really well done. I enjoyed um, that a lot. I have to say. Yeah, that was fun. Mm -hmm. uh, when I went, I, and the room was huge, mm -hmm. and unfortunately not full because there weren't a lot of people there. So you were able to pull yourself away from the stage where the band was. Mm -hmm. But at one point I walked up to the dance floor, right at the downstage edge of the stage. And I can only stay there like a second because the singers were so loud in the mix. You could see the monitor shaking on the floor and you could hear the uh, crackling of the, of the speakers. It's like, what? why? Yeah. Yeah, I actually observed, like, one of the things that I noticed in the beginning was that they opened, they opened the event for the first hour or so with some toned down right. jazz background right. music, and I was like, that, that's nice. That's very nice. I can talk to people. We can do business. That was my initial reaction, too. I'm actually, I'm actually having a conversation. Mm-hmm. And that's why we enjoyed last night mm -hmm. so much, is we were able to have conversations. I met somebody at the leadership lunch I mentioned, and... I knew she was going to be there at the party and I wanted to catch up with her and I didn't find her till the end, but we were still able to sit there and have a conversation. So thank you, Chad and your team for making that possible last night. Any other things that you'd like to bring up about the show? Then let's talk about you oh, okay. and Be Well TV. <laughs> I wondered when we would get to that. That was a beautiful <laughs> segue. Props to you, Mr. Bellotta. That was nicely done. So as we were taking on this podcast and D'Angelo, uh, you know, was pushing us into this, thankfully, uh, Heidi uh, and Techniche decided to uh, develop their own content and uh, developed Be Well TV. Correct. 
So tell us a little bit about the format of Be Well TV and the goals. Yeah, well, I'll, I'll start with a little bit of the background. Um, we obviously built out a virtual event studio when that was the direction everyone was going to. And I actually did that kind of kicking and screaming because in the very beginning when it was all just Zoom meetings, the last thing I want to do is sit and manage Zoom meetings from a computer. Um, so I did not want to compete in that area. I kind of was just refusing that that was even going to be the new normal. I hated it, but then I sat through so many bad <laughs> virtual <laughs> events that I said, okay, let's build out a studio because at least we can provide some quality mm -hmm. virtual events. And I do see a necessity for that. So um, perhaps there's business to be done there. Once we built that out and we had all of the resources and the tools, I wanted to do something else that was different different because so many competitors and not even just competitors people from different aspects of the industry were building out their own studios and doing their own virtual events or, or, or offering offering that service I should say um, and I wanted to build something that's a little more long-lasting and evergreen and something that is a passion of mine um, so we built Be Well TV it's an online TV network where we produce content we have multiple shows that address wellness of mind, body, and spirit. And it's not the typical thing that you would imagine. It's not just diet and fitness. It's, um, we have a hypnotherapist that, that does a great show and it's about managing stress and anxiety. The reason things like that were important to me to offer to the world is because I think the world focused so much on one thing, one virus that people lost sight of the fact that everybody's dealing with something different in their lives that's affecting their mind, body, and spirit. Whether it's your health condition, or your financial condition, or your situation at home, there are a lot of things that people are dealing with in 2020 and 2021, and 50 years down the road, forever, there's always something that is affecting your wellness, and I think that um, there's a lot of value to providing the information to help people deal with that. You know what I'm going to say. <laughs> How much I love this. My goal, my hope, my ray of sunshine, my silver lining, every saying that goes with it, that I want to come out of this is that we learn to have more balance in life. Absolutely. That we learn how to manage stress, that we learn how to reduce stress. Not everything is a life and death situation and that's what I'm hoping for and one of the things that I'm trying to do personally and that we have talked about on the show is I'm always asking well given what you do and given your 24 hour 7 you know uh, 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 attention to this how do you maintain that balance what do you do and how can we bring that into this industry because I think it needs to be brought into the industry I think especially after this that last year and moving forward, we need to change how we do things and how we approach the healthy mind-body yeah. balance. So I love what you're doing and I want to tune in. I know I personally can gain a lot from it and so can everybody else. Yeah. I'll just say that from what I see walking around the show, you're needed. Mm -hmm. Because I, I'm not seeing a lot of healthy people walking through the show. And they don't necessarily know it, but um, they're time bombs. They're, they're, we, this is a stress-filled job. We're dealing with people. 
and deadlines. And so there's already stress in that. And then we don't eat right. We travel a lot. We work long hours. So the tendency is to throw something that's not healthy in the microwave or stop for a burger on your way home, eating late at night. So we're not healthy. Very few of us get up and exercise in the morning or have a routine, a meditation in the morning, something. And we're just getting faster and faster and faster. Mm -hmm. We had a little break, but now we're on go. Mm -hmm. And even with the virus still around, we are on go, which means that the wheel is just going to start turning and it just gets faster and faster. So there's no way around the stress. Yeah, the yeah. only thing to do is to combat it. And the other thing that didn't change that I really thought might, and so we have to find a way, is the accessibility that because of technology, we are accessible 24-7 and very few people understand the boundary there, the boundaries that should be there. And I will say for me personally, I am to blame because I don't set those boundaries for myself. So how do we in this industry learn how to set the boundaries? You don't want to say no, but how do you do it to keep yourself healthy so that you can be the best for your client, be the best for the event? Yeah. Yeah. And that we need education on. We actually, one of the shows that we have on the network is Healthy by Association. And it was actually created a few years ago before we even started the network. Um, and it's a group of association and event professionals that are in our shoes. You know, they're on the road all the time. How do you deal with eating right? How do you fit your exercise in? How do you maintain that balance? And... Um, so that's the topic of that show every week. And I do think one, one takeaway that I think was indirectly that, that I took away from this show, I'm seeing more people in our industry become aware. And I used to laugh at the term work-life balance. I was like, oh my God, another session on work-life balance. Shoot me in the head. Um, so I... <laughs> that's all I need. <laughs> Um, but I think that maybe I'll have to coin a new term for it so it's more acceptable in my, in, in my book. But um, I'm seeing that more people in our industry are becoming more aware of um, and, and responsible for that work-life balance because now, you know, your emergency is not my fire to put out. I'm going to do what I can as, as a partner and professional and a supplier to you, but your your emergency is not my emergency. So if there's a way I can help and if there's a way we can work together, great. Um, but let's go through this little education piece. Let's talk about why you need a producer so you don't have this emergency in, in the 11th hour. Let's talk about how to partner with your vendors, which is also another term I hate. I hate saying vendors. Um, let's talk about how we can develop relationships so that we can all be healthy and well together because this isn't a me against you. This isn't a I'm the buyer and you're the seller or I'm the seller and you're the buyer. This should be uh, we're all serial. humans. Right. We're, we all need to perform well and that requires a lot of health and well-being. I have a question for you. Do you think part of this problem, and, I, and I'm asking this sincerely, and especially coming out of the pandemic, that we're all still in a little panic-based mode, not just in the industry, but also financially? How do we stay afloat? So it's easier to do this and try to do it all ourselves and retain all that income and all that profit instead of spreading the wealth so that everybody gets a piece of that pie 
and everything is done more effectively because it's not all coming from one source. Is that something that you see is happening? Is that a new trend, an old trend, not a trend? I think that that's a great trend that is starting to pop up and I think it needs, we need to see it more. Um, I think that there is still a lot of fear and anxiety and stress in not just our industry, in other industries mm -hmm. as well. Um, and one lesson that I learned in the last year when I kind of decided it's time to um, take ownership of my own well-being, mm -hmm. um, I learned that the way you react is up to you. Mm -hmm. So, mm -hmm. you know, you will find that there are happy people and there are angry people in the world, mm -hmm. but they're living in the same world. And you have to ask yourself, why is one person happy and one person angry? Mm -hmm. Well, it's because that's the way they've chosen to react. Right. So you can take the exact same situation that your neighbor is dealing with and, and control it. The, you can only control what you can control. Right. What you, you do and what you say. That's exactly. It. You cannot allow yourself to become angry and unhealthy because of what's happening in the world. That you, Take control of your own right. little pieces. And I think what you noticed was that you were so willing to give up your, your sense of calm for somebody else taking on their problems, mm -hmm. which is a, is a great way to get business, but you have to sort of do that without getting emotionally involved, mm -hmm. right? You, you have to sort of understand, I'm here to help. I don't, have to, I don't have to live your problems. I'm part of the solution. And so often we do as humans because we like people and we want, we want to be the nurturing. solution. And we want to be liked. And we, we want, want to be liked, <laughs> right. And so all of those things. So we have to notice, which is what I think you did, I'm making myself stress out, mm -hmm. not him or her. I'm doing it to myself because I feel their stress and now it's affecting me. We see this all the time because then what happens is they misread what you're talking about. We just had this issue with an artist who mm -hmm. I wrote in a letter. We had an issue. We were not paid by the client because his performance was not up to par. Mm -hmm. And it was the first time we were working with him and you know, I felt bad. And also it was a very late performance. He was a, a magician. So I felt bad that I had to say, hey, I saw the first part of your performance. It was not up to snuff. I don't know how to say this, but the client's not paying us. This will be your decision to make. I'm not gonna make it your decision, but I need you to know this happened. <laughs> he did not hear me. Mm -mm. He anyway. got really stressed. Right, because I, my, I was saying, you will get paid if you want to be paid. I just want you to see that this happened. And as a licensed talent agency in the state of California, I don't have to pay him if I'm not paid. Mm. It's a different way it works because we're only making a percentage. Right. So uh, he wrote back, we were trying to make a call come together. It did not come together. And so finally he wrote me an email and in his email called me unprofessional and started berating me. And I thought this guy just got himself all worked up, didn't pay attention to what I said in my email. I had to go back myself and read it. And so then I wrote him a nice note and said, okay, this is it. Here, your thousand dollars is being sent out. Spend it well. Yeah. He didn't take advantage of the opportunity that was being presented to him, he which did is not. very sad because he was being presented with a really great opportunity to learn, to grow, to foster a relationship and keep a relationship. And so it was a thousand dollar 
lesson, mm-hmm. we won't use them again. Of course. Right? And he didn't get it. So, uh, and, he, and he did it to himself, which is the point of this, is we let ourselves get stressed out, we don't pay attention, and we think it's somebody else's fault when we do. Mm-hmm. But it isn't, because mm-hmm. it's under our control. And we don't have to take somebody else's stress. We could still help them, and we could still be supportive, but we don't have to take on their stress. Right. They say you choose to be happy, that happiness is a choice. I've always heard that my whole life, mm-hmm. and I've always said, yep, 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 but I did not embrace it. Nope. I did not until the last year, with all, mm-hmm. because in addition to the pandemic, there have been a lot of personal changes in my life. So I really, I, now I really, about a year, year and a half ago, went, it sunk in. It, it really is a choice. Have I embraced it fully? Have I acted on it fully? No, of course not. But I am getting better. You'll, you, I, you will. But I will. And I will tell you, a big learning experience was working on something a couple of months back. And the amount of stress that it caused me, I chose to take it in because I... I you care. I care. I, I am very protective over our artists. Like, I am very... I'm mama bear to them. And I was worried and I took this on. And after that was over, I went, okay, you gotta change. Something's gotta change or you're gonna break. Yes. So I I don't like that that happened, but I'm also glad it happened. Mm-hmm. Because I find myself since then a lot calmer. Mm-hmm. And I wasn't. You, you, I mean, thank God none of you guys that I work with saw me because we were completely remote at that time. It wasn't. It wasn't good. Mm-hmm. I wasn't in a good way. And you know, so you're on the path mm-hmm. to 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 deciding that you're going to be happy, and that's going to impact everything. Because when you decide it, you don't let other people change your mood. You don't give them that power, and you become more effective because. Now you're standing in your own shoes and you're not taking on that all of that crap that exists around you and you can think more clearly. In this case with this artist, I felt like I was being kind and fair and honest. So I didn't feel like I had any regrets. You know, and I think that if we walk that path and to do that, we have to know it's a choice and that we have to understand that other people can't make us feel anything. We have that power. Right. And it's important for us as professionals because we deal with people. They're our business. Sure, you're going to have a microphone there and a lighting array, but you're still dealing with people, Mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. So if you're going to let them power your mood and your feelings and your stress, you're going to be in for quite a ride. It might not be so pleasurable. Yeah, absolutely. And you won't be effective. You won't be effective, especially in this industry that is so stress burdened uh, and you have so many people around with their own agendas with their own stake in the event and it is your job as the planner as the producer to bring it all together in a way that doesn't freak people out or exhaust them or make them angry you're it's your responsibility you can't do that if you're taking on everybody else's mm-hmm. stuff mm-hmm. you have to be very centered in your own shoes yeah and it's a little woo-woo and i get that not everybody is on the same woo-woo path that i am on but you do manifest you do manifest so um you know if you expect an outcome it's a self-fulfilling prophecy Mm -hmm. and yeah maybe things don't always turn out the way we would like 
but you really have to know that, that the outcome of your life is a self-fulfilling prophecy. And maybe we have to start thinking about life differently <laughs> because we, and maybe this was why, you know, how we were raised, but you know, we have an expectation of what life should be as you grow up, right? And you think you're, you, you're taught you're going to someday get married, you're going to buy a house, you know, life is sort of, but life is not that. And I think what we have to understand is to expect the unexpected, not to just assume that everything is going to go along as it has status quo, to expect the things that you don't expect are going to happen like this and to be ready for them. Mm -hmm. and, to, and to do that, you just have to know they're going to come. It's sort of like death. And I, I'm not a cold-hearted person, but the idea that we're not preparing ourselves, that the people around us we love are not going to be with us someday. Right. That we get so surprised when somebody we love has passed, like we didn't know that was going to happen. Well, I'm sorry. You know it's going to happen. You know that's happened for all of the world's for, history. So far, <laughs> right. So I'm going to be the first to not. Right? I'm just telling you right now. So I think the point is you got to sort of expect the fact that that's the end of the road so that when it is the end of the road, you're not caught off guard and you're already prepared for that in your relationships and the people that you love and what you do with mm -hmm. your life. It's the same thing. I'm, I'm always sort of caught off guard. Now, I still have my folks. You're very so lucky. I'm extremely lucky to have them. And I spend a lot of time worrying about the day that I won't have them anymore oh, because sure. they're so, they're 90, almost 90. And uh, I'm not going to be surprised. I don't know how I'm going to feel. You can prepare yourself all you want, but then the loss happens. But it's different from being hysterical because you didn't plan on it. Right. You have to know there's a difference between knowing something's going to happen just because It's probably our maid service. We're going to have to wrap up. Yeah. yeah. Come in. Let her know. Just like 10 minutes. No, five minutes. Five minutes. Yeah, because yeah, actually I have to be downstairs okay. by 3. So, um, great. Yeah. Are, we, are we still recording? We're still recording. Great conversation. We have to cut it short because, well, it hasn't been short, but we have to go. <laughs> <laughs> Alex has a plane to catch. Alex has a plane to catch. Heidi and Jim are going home. Driving back to Orlando. Back to Orlando, and we have a puppy to pick up. On behalf of Belotified, thank you for listening. If you uh, are a podcast listener and you're not uh, one of ours, please subscribe. Please, 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 wherever you find your podcast. And if you find your podcast on Apple Podcasts, then please give us five stars. Five for Heidi, and five for Alex. And, and 10 for Anthony. And 10 for me. Just star us up, if you would. <laughs> uh, if you'd like to leave us a comment or ask us a question, go to balada.com and look for the podcast page and leave it there. And be well to tune in to Be Well TV. What's that address? BeWellTV.online. And that's B-E-W-E-L-L-T-V dot online. Dot online. Dot mm -hmm. online. That's it. That's it. That's it. That's it. BeWellTV.online. You can find all of our programs on demand. And start getting healthier. 
healthier mind, healthier body. And when we see you next year, you're going to look fabulous. That's right. Right? All right, that's it. Say goodbye. 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 Thanks for having me. Bye-bye.